Hello, and welcome to Small Black Birds. I'm AJ, and in this episode, you will hear about a woman whose life story, filled with tragedy and achievement, continues to help others discover their own voice and inspire change. The country has a new president, but the star of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's inauguration was the young poet Amanda Gorman. Referencing everything from the musical Hamilton to JFK to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Gorman summoned images both dire and triumphant in her poem's opening lines, asking, Where can we find light in this never-ending shade? Along with her sunny yellow coat and red headband, Gorman wore that day a ring styled in the shape of a caged bird. The ring was a tribute to another poet, the late Maya Angelou, whose deeply personal writing and courageous actions continue to spark hope for the millions who read her books or know her story. Hers is a voice so powerful, it still rings loudly even after her passing in 2014, and serves as a guiding light when one feels surrounded by darkness. If you think that I can have freedom, but you can't because you're short, or you're tall, or you're gay, or fat, or thin, or pretty, or plain, but I can have it because not by anything I've earned, I just was born white, or I was born pretty, then you're just stupid. The truth is, no one of us can be free until everybody is free. And every one of us needs to say to our children, children, This is your world. Come out. Stand out. Earn it. Inauguration Day was supposed to be all about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But anyone who watched the official swearing-in ceremony that cold January day will never forget the brilliant performance by the country's first youth poet laureate, Amanda Gorman. Dressed in a bright yellow jacket and reading an original poem called The Hill We Climb, the 22-year-old Gorman painted a vivid picture of resilience and redemption, reflecting on the country's past and hope for a better tomorrow that was brought to life through her masterful delivery. Here is a portion of Gorman's poem. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade, we've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace, and the norms and notions of what just is isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished, we, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man, 
And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. Gorman's performance was reminiscent of another unforgettable Inauguration Day reading. Back in 1993, President Bill Clinton asked the iconic Maya Angelou to read one of her poems after his speech. By that point in her illustrious life, the 65-year-old Angelou had already reached the pinnacle of artistic expression and commercial success. She was a best-selling author, celebrated playwright, and tireless activist who wasn't held back by genres, stereotypes, or politics. Though separated by nearly 30 years, Gorman's reading echoed the same difficult truths about America's contradictory history that Angelo had called out in her poem. And neither woman shied away from recognizing how much farther we must go to make the promise of America true for all of us. Here is part of Angelo's poem from that day. Lift up your eyes upon this day breaking for you. Give birth again to the dream. Women, children, men, take it into the palms of your hands. Mold it into the shape of your most private need. Sculpt it into the image of your most public self. Lift up your heart. Each new hour holds new chances for new beginnings. Do not be wedded forever to fear. Yoked eternally to brutishness, the horizon leans forward, offering you space to place new steps of change. Here, on the pulse of this new day, you may have the grace to look up and out and into your sister's eyes and into your brother's face, your country, and say simply, very simply, with hope, good morning. Maya Angelou is best known for her evocative poetry and other writings, pioneering a hold-nothing-back writing style that became her trademark. In her most famous and personal work, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, Angelou's unguarded depiction of sexual abuse, racism, and teenage pregnancy drew praise from fans and critics who recognized the work as a touchstone for freedom and the struggles one must endure to preserve it. But the work also drew criticism from the establishment, who considered the true-life story of a young black girl growing up in the American South too taboo for school-aged children, and the book was banned for years from being taught in schools. I'm the most read black female writer in the world. My books sell in the millions. I think some publishers suggested that people wouldn't be very interested in the exploits and, and uh, the daring do of a black American girl. However, the truth is I write through the black experience. That's what I know. I'm talking always about the human condition, what it is like to be a human being, what makes us weep, what makes mm. us laugh, what does us down, how sometimes our soul can look back and wonder how we got over. So I hope that when people read my work, I have told the truth about the human condition, not just the fact because facts oftentimes obscure the truth. Maya Angelou was born Marguerite Ann Johnson in St. Louis, Missouri in 1928. After her parents divorced when she was three, she and her brother Bailey were sent to live with their grandmother in a small town in Arkansas where racial discrimination was a legally enforced way of life. It was there the young girl soaked up her grandmother's religious faith 
and sense of humor that would influence her life and career. She also enjoyed a close relationship with her brother, who gave her the nickname Maya. At age 7, while visiting her mother in Chicago, Maya was sexually assaulted by her mother's boyfriend. Too ashamed to tell any of the adults in her life, she confided only in her 8-year-old brother. When a few days later she heard that someone had killed her attacker, the young girl blamed herself, believing it was her words that led to the man's death. Afraid of what her words might do next, she refused to speak for the next five years. That thing that takes place in the brain of a child, male or female, black or white, when, uh, when the child encounters catastrophic events, is so complex, and how the child then tries to create uh, some sort of mechanism to cope with that catastrophe. In my case, I decided that I would stop talking. After I told who did this terrible thing, the man was killed. Well, I decided in my seven-and-a-half-year-old brain that my voice killed him. And so, had I not told, he would have been alive, and I took on all that weight. So I simply stopped talking, and it seemed to me quite logical, and I didn't talk again until I was twelve and a half. It's difficult to imagine Angelo's transformation from a withdrawn and self-conscious child into the confident trailblazer whose words would eventually give voice to and elevate an entire nation. But it was during those years when she refused to speak that Angelo developed a passion for the written word, and she began keeping a diary and writing her first essays and poems. She also discovered the poetry of Shakespeare and Langston Hughes that would forever change her outlook. I was silent, but I wasn't in silence. All sounds became heightened. I memorized poetry sonnets of Shakespeare. I fell in love with Shakespeare. I fell in love with Paul Lawrence Dunbar and Edgar Allan Poe. I memorized whole bits of books. From this quiet beginning emerged a young woman who sang, danced, and recorded poetry. After moving to California with her mother and brother in 1940, Angelo attended high school and won a scholarship to study dance and drama at a nearby academy. For a short time, she was employed as a San Francisco streetcar conductor before becoming pregnant at 16 and giving birth to a son soon after graduating from high school. Not long after, she left home and took on the difficult life of a single mother, working as a waitress and cook, but never giving up on her talents for dance and performance. It was while dancing at a nightclub that she took the stage name of Maya Angelou, before being discovered by a theater group who invited her to audition for a role in an international production of George Gershwin's folk opera, Porgy and Bess. She landed the role and spent the next year performing live theater in countries across Europe. This turbulent period in her young life, with episodes both difficult and exhilarating, became the foundation for her most revealing and personal writing. I wrote about this period. And by that time, when I started to write about it, I was, I had already become Maya Angelou, and mm. I was a Chubb Fellow at Yale University, and thought I'd better write that book and tell it. 
Now, I know it sounds sensational, but I thought so many people lie to young people. Parents saying, oh, I, uh, I never did anything wrong. Oh, my, never. Oh, my dad would have killed me. Oh, no, my mother, oh, no. And so a young person comes along having these urges, feeling lost, undecided, insecure, and he or she thinks, Jesus, I must be a horrible person, you know? So I wrote the book to say, and the book is called Gather Together in My Name, mm -hmm. so that other people who don't have that kind of courage could gather in my name, I will tell it, to encourage young people to remind them that they may encounter many defeats, but they must not be defeated. And maybe it's necessary to encounter the defeats, to build some character, to develop some courage. Upon her return to America, Angelo committed herself to becoming a writer. She moved to New York where she joined the Harlem Writers Guild and took her place among the growing number of young black writers and artists at the heart of the civil rights movement. She worked with Malcolm X and served as the Northern Coordinator of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference the group founded by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to address economic discrimination in the United States. But this period was cut short following Dr. King's assassination, falling on her birthday in 1968, which left her devastated. Angelo found solace in writing, and she began working on the book that would become I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. People have to develop courage. It is most important of all the virtues, because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can be anything erratically and in front of the microphone, in front of the camera. But to be that thing in your heart, you have to have courage. The success of Caged Bird transformed Angelo into a national figure and gave her the stature and resources to pursue more artistic endeavors. She was the first black woman director in Hollywood, having written, produced, and starred in productions for stage, film, and television. Angelo produced several prize-winning documentaries and was twice nominated for a Tony Award for her acting. Her success helped pioneer a literary blossoming for other black women, including the Nobel Prize-winning Toni Morrison and Alison Walker. Over the years, Angelo's fame and popularity grew, and the public found in her words both wisdom and comfort. The reading of her poem, On the Pulse of the Morning, at Clinton's inauguration, captured the guarded optimism many Americans felt after the difficult and painful years of the Reagan-Bush era, similar to the national mood at the end of the Trump presidency. I'm brought to weep when I think what my country can be and will be when we develop enough courage to act courageously and with courtesy and respect for each other. Just imagine, we wouldn't have to say we're the most powerful country in the world. We will be the most powerful country in the world. Not because we have might, but because we have right. After five decades of being in the spotlight, Angelo's poetry and other works have become deeply absorbed into American culture. Plays, TV shows, and movies continue to use her material as inspiration, and there's even a line of popular greeting cards featuring her famous quotations. Angelo's sharp wit and wisdom are made for social media, with its informal habit of sharing bite-sized quotes, so it's no surprise she was on Twitter five days before her death. 
Her last message, listen to yourself and in that quietude you might hear the voice of God, conveys the boundless warmth and compassion that made her so beloved. At the heart of Angelo's work is a message of hope and to encourage others not to give up when experiencing hardship or defeat. No one is a stranger to feelings of sadness and fear, to disappointment or loss, but we also possess the ability to bounce back and to remain determined despite our setbacks. It is the existence of this resilience found inside all of us that gives life to Angelo's most powerful poem, And I Still Rise. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Just cause I walk as if I have oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like suns and like moons with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high. Still I rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes. Shoulders falling down like teardrops. Weakened by my soulful cries. Does my sassiness upset you? <laughs> Don't take it so hard just because I laugh. <laughs> As if I have gold mines digging in my own backyard. You can shoot me with your words. You can cut me with your lies. You can kill me with your hatefulness. But just like life, I'll rise. Does my sexiness offend you? Oh, does it come as a surprise that I dance as if I have diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past rooted in pain, I rise. A black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak miraculously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the hope and the dream of the slave. And so, Naturally, there I go rising. Exploring all of Maya Angelou's many accomplishments and achievements would require a much longer episode. A singer, dancer, activist, poet, and writer, it's no wonder she was once described as a redwood tree with deep roots in American culture because she lived through it all and kept growing as an artist, branching out wherever inspiration struck her. But it would be time well spent checking out her books, poetry, plays, and other works, including an album of Calypso music. Did I get this story right? Let me know at smallblackbirdspodcast at gmail.com. Want to protect your right to protest? Go to www.rightsanddescent.org. Stay safe and talk with you soon. Well, the first days are the hardest days, don't you work Think this through with me Let me know your mind Oh, oh, what I want to know You saw you kind 
friends better take my advice You know all the moves by now and the vibe from the ice Will you come with me? Won't you come with me? Come with me or go alone He's come to take his children